all, and welcome back to Dame It All to Hell. I'm Kelly Gibson, fresh out of the Good Morning Washington studios. Tracy and I were invited back today. They like us, Tracy. They really like us. And I'm Tracy Dietz, and I <laughs> love doing that again. It was, it was so much so fun. fun. We had such a good time. Um, I just got back from Vegas from spring break with my children. Which Nothing means like Vegas with kids. Happy Easter. It also means Lent's over, <laughs> which means I fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. can start swearing again. And I don't, I don't, I feel kind of. You don't feel like you want to. I don't, I don't. I feel like it's a dirty word. I I don't. <laughs> She's been reborn. I don't know what's happening. She was baptized. I'm sure you'll piss me off today, and then I'm I'll sure I will. say the F word yes. a lot. But, but yes. so far, I don't know. I just, I've, I've actually got it in here. I was going to say happy effing Easter. Bitches, but I just <laughs> I can't, can't do it. I can't get it out. She can't do it. I don't know. So we hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode. It was, as we said on our social, it was one of our most fun. We had um, Eileen Whalen and Audrey Godfrey from Good Morning Washington on the show and had this really fun conversation, realizing that what Tracy and I spend our days in this little white room bitching about, other women also love to have space to bitch about it, also and talk through it. Which and all it's that good it's stuff. Un- it's truly unfortunate that they are experiencing some of the same things that we are experiencing, but it is great that we can all talk about it and it is is happening across all industries yeah. and it's impacting all women. I went home and told Caleb, I was like, turns out it's worse to be a woman in media than it is a woman in politics. Well, I don't know about I being a candidate. It's probably the same. Uh-huh. So if you listen to the podcast last week, you will remember that Eileen and Autria said that they receive unsort of solicited communication from viewers commenting on their life. Well, um, I think anytime you're in the public eye or you're on TV, yeah. you you get a little bit of that. I mean, I nobody nobody sends me death threats from our podcast. Yeah. You when ha- we make it big though. Right. Never got death threats. I got some weird like I want to kidnap you stuff. Yeah, but and you got a weird ransom note or something. I got weird, a weird ransom that's note. That's weird. Yeah. Who has time for that? Yeah. Weird. People that don't leave their houses ever, which is why it's not scary. Those people are like weird trolls. Yeah. Like like the getting some sunlight on their skin would melt them or something. But anyway, we had a great time with um, Audrey and Eileen and this morning on Good Morning Washington with Eileen who talking about the show and just really fun sort of to great. get it out there. We yeah. hope so you guys watch go. the clip. Yep. It'll be up on our social by the time this podcast comes up. Yeah. So speaking of issues that impact women, oh, like we, have, we do. <laughs> we have, uh, so uh, some of you may have heard of a candidate by the name of Vice President Joe Biden that um, may yeah, or may I not be know, running I guess for I know him. president. He uh, rubbed some shoulders and, and maybe smelled sniff, some, some hair. Sniff some hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's been a lot of controversy around that and people have been hammering him a lot, mostly on the left. Uh, Seems like the hammering think, is over a little bit to me, but yeah, I, I feel you. I hope so because I, I don't think you that think he's sort of silly. I, I think he should behave better in the future, but I don't think he. I mean, I, I don't consider what he did to be a, a sexual assault. But again, no, no, nobody we'll does. I don't that. think anyone does. Uh, sexual it, assault. Yeah, I think there's I have maybe not, not sexual because that. that has to involve a private area. Yeah, I mean, like, un- unwanted touching is, I mean, I think this is what Tracy's about to talk about, about touching, and some people are touchers, and some people aren't touchers, and what does touching do for your health and wellness? But I think in the case of Joe Biden, and we talked about this a couple podcasts ago, for me, it was this, um, the the benevolent sexism thing. It was this, I'm the man, you're the woman, let me patronize you, and let me do, like, weird shit that makes you uncomfortable. Less sexual, more just, like, I am man. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. Touch. I don't actually think he was 
I don't think he was trying to do that, but what do I know? Regardless, uh, there is a woman named Tiffany Field that has spent decades trying to get people to touch each other more. Um, (laughs) She went on to found the Touch Research Institute at the University of Miami's Miller School of Medicine. Um, And she the whole goal was to talk about touch deprivation. And we all know like babies need to be touched. There are uh, programs where you can go snuggle orphans um, because it is so important. Touch is such an important part of our lives and of being humans and of us being emotionally stable. And um, you were telling me that story about, you know, your mom and pain centers and how that uh, impacts touch can greatly impact. Yeah. When you think about it, when you think about that in your life and how that applies outside of, you know, politics or stranger danger or whatever, that as parents, your kids are easily soothed with a big, great, big hug, you know, and you just sort of comfort them and it can sort of change their mood or fix a problem. You do the same with adults as well. And so this study goes on to talk about that. And, and sort of the question is, you know, physical contact remains vital to our health. Even if we're doing less of it, you know, the rules of engagement aren't necessarily changing, but we're, we're starting to learn more about what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And so what does this mean if, you know, all of a sudden, every every woman's rule is do not touch me ever. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for social interactions? And, and what does that really mean for us down the line, you know, <sighs> 10 years from now? Yeah. Now, that's an extreme, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think that we're all of a sudden going to totally Never be stop touched. touching each other. Yeah. But it brings up an interesting point because we are like, I am a touchy person. I touch everybody. Hopefully not inappropriately, but yeah. like I shake hands, I hug, I, yep, you know, I touch people's shoulders. I mean, it's just sort of what I do. I think probably over time, the intent of touching has gone to a place that the pendulum has swung so drastically. And that's this whole idea of when in doubt, just don't touch. And you know, I th- I think for a long time, women, gr- women and girls didn't have as much ownership over their body. And so, you know, I remember being a kid and like random old men would come up and squeeze my cheeks. Right. Or like, um, you know, obviously non-sexual, but there would be like some sort of physical contact, like head padding or cheek squeezing or, you know, it's like you're always little kids or hands are always being held. I think having agency of one's own space and having the option to say, I'm a person who prefers to touch people or I'm a person who does not prefer to be touched or touch people. I'm not sure that there, that conversation has really taken place to date. And maybe that's what this is. This is saying like, you don't, just because you're interacting with somebody who's a toucher, if you're not a toucher, you can say like, oh, I just don't, that do, I don't like that. That doesn't feel good to me. I don't want that. And you're teaching your boys. I mean, I know we've talked a lot about this, about yeah. how you teach them not to, I'm no certainly, slap bottoms. Yeah, I'm certainly the teaching them that like their private parts are theirs and everybody has them, boys and girls, and that those are off limits. Um, I'm certainly teaching them that violent touch is wrong. Yeah. Um, and to be thoughtful about how quickly fun play can turn into violent play and to know those boundaries. When you are with family, and it could be extended family too, not just, you know, immediate, like your parents not and just your the brother, four of us, right? Yeah. Not just them. Do you, um, do you make them give everybody a hug before you leave? No, no. I mean, I think that, I feel like that sort of came out 
what, maybe like five years ago that, so don't make kids just hug strangers kind of thing. I make them acknowledge that we're leaving a space shared with other people, but now I'm like, Hug or high five. five. Hug or high five. You know, whatever that is. Um, So I've tried to been try to be better about that. Yeah, with like with little girls, like everybody wants to hug. Hug. See, I'm saying like little girls, girls and women have not had a lot of ownership about when they could tell people like, I don't want to hug you. You know, I don't want to do that. And even as a grown up, you know, I, I don't know if I consider myself a touching person because I'm nature or nurture. You know, like. I've always hugged people. It was my sort of place to hug people. Right. So now I just do it, you know, and if I could rewind my life and would have had choice of that, I probably still would do it. But I don't know. It just is like an interesting, it's ingrained. Yeah. I hug fucking strangers, <laughs> you know, like, ha, ah, you're somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. Give me a hug. You know, that's like right. sort of culturally weird. Maybe, but I think this article points out that we like to hug. Like it feels good to hug. Yeah. Right? I mean, and I guess it, it also depends on, the context, right? So when we walk into boardrooms and you're just meeting somebody, for the I hug them. I, I like not. I don't know if I do that or I'm encouraged to do that. Oh. No, when so you I meet don't. them, you shake hands. But when you leave, it's this weird, awkward, like depends weird on hug. The I think. Well, so I don't. <laughs> so I don't experience that. I think it depends on the context. With women, yeah. I, it is. It is very common that that after I have a lunch meeting or somebody, it was somebody that I just met. I and mean, if we you have, get on, we have bonded yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's good. Yeah. And everybody's uh, right. Yeah. So then you just sort of hug and yeah. And yeah. I, I would say the same thing about men too. If I've had a, like an awesome lunch and yes, yeah. you know, it's just that it turns into this weird thing. It, it has potential to turn into a weird thing pretty fast. Right. Because like the, the newly, met sort of half stranger man goodbye hug could go from like a normal hug to like something that feels too squeezy or your hands are in weird places or goes on too long or there's like a graze. I I don't know. I feel like we've talked about experiencing what seem like platonic touching interactions that then something just goes like a little sideways and all of a sudden like it just feels off a little bit. Yeah. I um, think for me, for me, I think that is a little more rare. And again, like so much has changed. Certainly last, rare now. Yeah. 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 yeah but when we first started doing this podcast, we had a lot of stories about like the weird, but craze. most of that was people that I knew. Right. It's not like I just met a stranger at a conference and now they're, yeah. You know, unless the guy that just looked me up and down and said, <laughs> nice change. Right. Or, or the guy at the bar that was, you know, yeah. tapping my, boob <laughs> as he was like trying to get my attention just like, oh. that was a stranger I did not know but again like he was so weird he was super drunk do you think he knew it was your boob do you think he was intentionally tapping your boob no or? I actually think he was he was, he was drunk hammered. and like laying in front of me and he just kept like he kept moving his like hand up to like kind of think touch my shoulder and just kept touching the boob another reason not to get blotto at a work function um but I yeah so I do think that you know, I'm, I'm trying to think when I'm when I'm hanging out with my girlfriends, I often make the decision to like sit close or to I don't know. I feel like I'm all handsy with you when we're just like hanging out. Um, so I obviously so again, crave I touch friend, in some right, capacity. Right. I do just think that this element. So it's like girl, girls and women having ownership and agency of their own bodies and their own choices around that. And then some element of like 
public consent, right? Some like some, and I don't know exactly know how it plays out probably differently in every scenario, but something where you are acknowledging that you are as either a new friend or a stranger or a slight stranger, and you are going to engage in some sort of touching moment and getting sort of buy-in from the person that you're doing. And I don't exactly know how that goes. Like, oh, I'm a hugger. Is it cool? If, you know, like something, you know, like I think you can do it pretty friendly. And I've actually had men say that to me. Do you mind? I'm a hugger. Right. You know, and yeah. you're like, oh, so cute. And you go in for the hugger. You're like, ah. Try to saying no to that is a little awkward, but you're like, next time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Not this time. Right. And I think that we, I mean, we are in a space where we still have to, uh, it's important to always be aware of our surroundings and know that we can always say no if we feel hugely uncomfortable yeah but you're right like there's also that sort of awkward moment where you're like it's not that big of a deal but i don't really yeah. want to hug this person especially like, if somebody's like gross or real sweaty or like right. real like, stinky i don't know or has just been a total dick to you and i mean like, i think I it's always okay to just stick your hand out yeah sure. like i mean that is also just right <laughs> right just we will been shake real. hands been and real brother we're, yeah. we're out the door yeah so. but i do think it's important to teach the next generation of kids that like that there can be change it like you don't just have to exist in social norms around sharing physical space that there can be a discussion around that absolutely yeah you can say no and you don't have to hug or let anyone touch you that you don't want to touch you that is hugely important yeah all right we have to take a quick break and then we haven't had a button in a minute so we'll be back with our button so for those of you that don't listen to the show as often, the button, as a reminder, is uh, every week we type sexist into the Google field and hit the news button and see what comes up. So let's get after that. The button, the button, the sexism button. So unsurprisingly, the button this week, last week, the week before, probably next week, is going to be about... Women presidential candidates. It's the sexism, stupid. It's the sexism, stupid. And, you know, we try to keep stuff fresh here on Damon Old Hell, but We're gonna have it's to talk important about to talk about it. Mostly because I feel like if we just keep ramming this down everybody's throat, <laughs> it'll, it'll change. change. <laughs> so, so what's interesting about this, I mean, if you, if you are paying attention at all, you realize there's like 700 Democratic candidates and there are seven women. Yeah, I think there's we're up to like I think they're we're 19 in the 20s and for candidates. Oh, okay. I think. And seven are women. And yeah. Um, and if you have been paying attention, you will see that there is a a perfectly lovely man from South Bend, Indiana that is sort of everybody's talking about. Pete Buttigieg. Totally not qualified to be president. <laughs> Tracy's opinion. I that is correct and my opinion <laughs> is hugely important on this podcast. So it's worth at least 48% of the opinions we have. <laughs> Shut up. So not right. Uh he's great he is great. he seems like a lovely person and he I've been enjoying watching him run for an office that he should never be I went on to. my my Pete Buttigieg rant last week too and you know it's people that my friends of mine that listen to the pod they're just like heard the rant and I'm like I don't know what to do about the rant it's like there is okay he's he's cute and he's gay and he's fresh and he says things in a nice way and but like fuck that guy right it's time or give him a chance that's on par with all the other remarkably qualified highly intelligent women who are running for the Oval Office. So I think that I would, and I'm not saying I, I think it is okay to be sexist in media coverage when 
people are running for president. But for me, I think it would be different if the, all the conversation was based around Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden was vice president of the United States. There probably isn't any... I mean, he is about as qualified. And had like as a giantly large career in elected politics. Cor- correct. Yeah. I mean, there is. I mean, talk about a, a uh, scope of work, right? <laughs> of what you need to be president. Yeah. he's got it. Uh, Bernie, who I, uh, has already run for president, huge name ID. I yeah. could see he's how he's been in politics thirty years. Sure. He's done I everything from executive positions through federal positions. Could totally see if those were the two guys that were dominating the press over Gillibrand, uh, Warren. Uh, I, I, I could see how that might be the thing. But some of these people, right, what? What, you'd like looking at me? Well, because all of those women, the two you just stated, but in addition, like Senator Harris, who, oh, yes, like Harris, is in yeah. her first she would, she term, but she was the, the attorney general of the state of California sorry, before Sorry, that. Harris, like, sorry, Harris. Capable. Harris and Gillibrand were actually the yeah. two that I find most frustrating about this. And, and... I probably c- could put Warren in there too, but I think her policies are just so horrific. I, I just I can't even. Yeah, it's hard for me to take her seriously. Her policies are the same as Bernie's. I, it's hard for me to take him yeah. seriously. Also, like he is also and not Beto's. I don't like any of them. Yeah. Right? Like so, <laughs> so. But just from the male female perspective, yeah, um, it is inherently frustrating that Harris and Gillibrand aren't being talked about at the same at the same pace as freaking Buttigieg. Yeah. I mean, Seth, now Seth Moulton, if would you yeah. send me that article, that is, we're going to talk about that in a little we'll bit, but like next. that guy's running. <laughs> I mean, Cory Booker. I, really? There's a lot of them. Yeah. There's a lot of them. And I think that the crazy thing is, you know, I know you don't prefer her, but Senator Warren was on the trail yesterday talking about in her last Senate campaign, which was, I think it was 16 when she won re-election, that the press really focused on elements of her looks and her voice and her the tenor of her her speech and how she engaged with people in a way that, she, as she thought, gave her tools and she learned lessons for this run. And it's what happens is like, they're not really talking about those elements of her being a woman anymore. They're just talking, there's not talking about her anymore. Right. So the, so the scale and weight of coverage is really, really skewed towards white men right now. And I don't think it's the fault of, I don't think that all of the journalists that are part of the problem are men. I mean, no, no, it's a circular problem, right? The media covers those that are doing the best in the polls. And like, there are so many of them that's still like in the 30s, right? Nobody's dominating. But the reason they're doing well in the polls is because there's more coverage about them, right? It's a completely circular problem of which, you know, we've talked about it on this on this podcast before for a lot of women in order to get work, you have to have done the work before, but how the fuck are you supposed to do the work if you can't get the work? Right. So it's, there's all these sort of circular problems with gender biases. Um, But, but if that's the case, how are you supposed to break the cycle? Right. And that's going to have to be like one of those dudes having another scandal or, um, or one of these women having a big break, right? Or getting a big endorsement or any, like raising some gob tums of money that isn't competitive with, um, with the Bernie, you know, Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg who put up a huge number, you know? And it's not like these women are putting up big numbers, you know? I think Senator Harris raised, or Senator Gillibrand raised 12 million bucks. Like that's nothing to scoff Part at. Part of the problem too is that there's just so many candidates, right? Like, I mean, everybody's vying for media attention at this point, that outside of 
Biden and Bernie, like, I mean, even <laughs> even O'Rourke and, and Buttigieg, am I killing that name? No, you did good. It's Buddha, like the God, Buddha. and then Edge Edge. Buttigieg. Buttigieg. There you go. Okay, good. That's and then a, Robert O'Rourke. Robert O'Rourke. O'Rourke. Yeah. O'Rourke. So the interesting sort of discovery about at least this article, which was in Politico, is that, you know, coming off of 2018 that everyone called the year of the woman and the pink wave really did sort of really did reach most corners of this country. Everybody sort of expected that momentum to to continue knowing that we would have highly capable women running for the Oval in 20. And so now we're in 2019 and the author remarks that if 2018 was year of the women, what's 2019? And she said, it's seemingly year of the white guy and sort of went on to explore why that is. Um, and they said, other, so th- there's a bunch of studies and stuff, but there's evidence to suggest that female candidates may not be at a significant disadvantage in lower level races. Mm-hmm. That the so they they become public service. It's important to build coalition in those in those elected positions. You have to work with constituencies. You have to sort of bring a lot of intelligence and kindness and fairness into it. And that all seems in the wheelhouse of females, right? But then you move to the ex- to the oval to the executive, the sort of highest executive position in this land, and they say. One plausible theory is that in seeking the Oval Office, women are competing less for a service position and more for a position of perceived power and authority. Indeed, virtually the most masculine coded authority position imaginable. And it goes goes back to my thing that like we call it the highest, hardest glass ceiling for a reason. Like it is clear that Americans at least I mean, we are 350 days from Iowa. Like, you know, we are far away from electing our next president in terms of the passage of time, but it, it does not feel like in this space of um, risk taking and you could s- sort of support different candidates right now because you don't have to make an election that you would think now is the time that people sort of gave women a chance to strive to show that they can hold the highest powerful, most authoritative position in the land. It's national versus local. I mean, it's what we've sort of talked about. I mean, on the national level, when you look at the red number of registered voters and who's voting, it is an older demographic, and they just don't think we cut it. They don't I think, think we cut it. So this this article remarks in the most irritating kind of way. Many voters may implicitly regard the presidency as men's birthright, something to which they are entitled. Which is like, and it, it, I think we have to take another quick break. But after that, we'll talk about this man's prayer where fucking. Beto, Robert Beto O'Rourke, told Vanity Fair that he feels entitled to the presidency. Wait, what? Yep. Okay. After the break. We're back. And there was this hysterical article um, posted on uh, Facebook. I can't remember by whom. One of the many fierce women that I follow on Facebook. And it was written, it was published in the Boston Globe. Uh, written by a woman named Yvonne Abraham, and she wrote a prayer, a woman's prayer. To wh- it's it's hysterical. I mean, she really leans into the metaphor of prayer, um, but she takes sort of each of the candidates and and, and says a little prayer about them, and probably in honor of Easter. But for instance, the Joe Biden one. And Lord, I beseech thee, grant me the chutzpah of Joe Biden, who sniffeth the heads of women, layeth <laughs> his hands upon their shoulders, and skeeveth them out. His aged eyes recently opened at last to the error of his ways. He waxed sorrowful and contrite, saying he knew not what he did was wrong and would change as the ages have since the time of birth. Alas, days later, he made merry of the matter before the manly union crowd, which laughed uproariously. Yet he still leadeth the primary field in polls. Right. So like it's pretty funny. And it takes I mean, 
it is fucking ridiculous that he made a joke of it in front of a group of union members. And it's, it is deeply in the bones of these old men, in my opinion, that they can be exactly who they are, but show good face for the change. I'm giving quotey fingers that's happening in our society. Democrats, are but good not though. really change because it's hard. Change is fucking hard. Okay. So here's the one for Robert O'Rourke. <laughs> Grant me the manly certitude of Beto O'Rourke, the former congressman from Texas, who, though vanquished in his race against the most detested senator in the land, see victory and the White House at hand. Quote, man, I'm just born to be in it, he proclaimed to Vanity Fair. Even in defeat, he standeth upon tables and uttereth speeches that make men swoon, and his name is upon the lips and t-shirts of the hipsters who love his cool. Like, he really bananas. Well, there was this thing where he played on his guitar and they put pictures of him when, like, his band when he was in high school and everything. So he said, So he said, Man, I'm just born to be in it. Meaning the oval. Yeah. Like, when he did this, he was on the cover of Vanity Fair. That means he was entitled to it. Really? Yeah. I think you're reading into that. Well, of course I am. But if, so he's he's a congressman who ran for Senate, makes total sense in a hard fucking state. Against a very oh, I don't entrenched like senator sure. and lost. Yeah. And then he like goes on some like Kerouac style van trip to blog while leaving whilst so, well, leaving his children and his ridiculous. wife behind. Who thank to, God to, is to write in a his... write in a fucking journal and play on his guitar. Oh and his God. and his remark to Vanity Fair is what I came away with is I'm just born to be in the Oval Office. Like, fuck you. I'm born to be in the Oval. Tracy Dietz is born to be in the Oval. Pretty much anyone who has a brain in their head and can make decisions and bring people together should have a chance at the Oval Office. I mean, the bar is pretty fucking low now, thanks to the, our current sitting president of the United States of America. Oh, I'm pretty Sorry. sure it could get much lower. I, I mean, <laughs> oh, my God. That's let me ter- tell you. terrifying. We look can at the really? Democratic candidates, some of the Democratic candidates running for office. Oh, I don't think Sorry. that I, I... You hate I, the president, so you yeah, nobody could possibly yeah. be as terrible as him. But there was... So this woman sort of wraps up her prayer um, about the women. And so it is, Lord, that I ask you not to make me like the women candidates, for they have faults. For example, Elizabeth Warren hath 69 summers, not as many as Biden, Sanders, or Trump, but for some reason, one of thy mysteries, Lord, age weareth better upon the men. Also, unlike Beto, she trieth too hard, conjuring all manner of detailed policy proposals, which make some feel lectured unto. And she speaketh intensely upon the stump, which great, uh, which gradeth and is not softened by Sanders' magnetism or whatever Trump possesses. <laughs> so many Sanders faults. magnetism. <laughs> California Senator Kamala Harris was not progressive enough as a prosecutor, and Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar was unkind to staff, though some men in the field tilt less to the left than Harris, and Trump roundly abuseth his subordinates. Such qualities are more problematic in women. That is very so, true. Anyway, like even where they, they perfect, some prophets say the women are still unelectable, for Hillary Clinton was defeated, and she is also a woman. Such logic is inarguable, and it is enough for Democrats dare not risk defeat. I want not to be a loser lord, so I beseech thee, make me not like them, <laughs> the women. I mean, it's pretty clever. I don't wonder how long it took her to write that. But a- every yeah. now and again, it takes like a little bit of comedy to like put shit in check. In but a real right. check. And you know? I think that's the, we, the, the only way that we will, get, oh we will continue to move forward is to make a mockery yeah. of... The situation. What I said on Good Morning Washington this morning, which 
which I maintain is right now the media is covering more often how the media is covering men and women different. So they're covering the thing that we want them to change in their coverage. Hopefully, some upon some reflection, they'll start to actually just cover the candidates. And, I mean, when the media has been asking really dumb questions of women, it's, it's happening probably more so in sports. Like, the women are really just kind of calling them out, <laughs> yeah. right? Go fuck yourself. Right. <laughs> and when and when uh, when someone is inappropriate or says something terrible to a journalist that is a woman, yeah. um, I, don't, I don't even remember, it was probably six months ago, when, when a woman asked about the routes on, on a football, she, he, she was asking Cam Newton about, you know, the the routes of the players and he laughed at her and he was like it's just funny with the woman asked me a question about routes <laughs> right like she's a freaking football like yeah. journalist right i mean she's a sports reporter yeah she knows about football she knows about routes right yeah so it's hard yeah it's hard to sort of knock people out of their safe comfortable spot but which they, is why the you know the children of the future teach right, them well and right. let them lead the way right but we gotta you know they gotta grow up to make change or something. We just have I don't to keep know. calling people out too. Yeah. Every time. Every well, it sort of happened in Hollywood, right? Like they have stopped asking who you're wearing on the red carpet with intention. So like now before the Oscars or whatever, they don't, they don't ask it. But they used to ask men that too. Everybody. They, no, but yeah. they're like now, like we're making movies that reflect cultural moments, right? Like Green Book and Black Klan or Black Klanish, whatever. Klansmen. Klansmen. And, um, you know, the, sh- the, the, the best, uh, best picture for a short film was about women having their periods and how they can't, you know, in some countries they can't go to school when they're on their period because it's still like a blemish on them. But that's what they should be talking about on the red carpet, you know, and, and looking good is certainly good. And a lot of, a lot of times the actors um, offer, I'm in Dior now, let me tell you about my film, you know. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's small, but it's change, perhaps. That's all we need. That's all we need. One day at a time. Minute that, by minute. That hour is by hour. true. Yeah. So we're just going to keep talking about the women on the trail for a little while. We're going to keep, we're going to beat you over the head with it, even though they're not on my side. Oh, so many young women I've talked to lately just really love that Pete Buttigieg. Oh. Yeah. If only he had a vagina. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Republicans are going to be coming out for you. In for Pete Buttigieg? No. Just no. in general. Republican women are going to be everywhere in 2020. Congress and Senate. It's going to be running. Totally running. excited. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I still think that there's, um, you know, the other shoe to drop in your presidential space. We don't talk about like just a straight up politics much, but like there's been a lot going on with the Mueller report. Not that he's... You think he won't be president in 2020? No, I just think there'll be so, you know, his case will be so much like Swiss cheese that somebody else can run against him. You know, I mean, like there's not... I don't know. I don't know. I don't think from a uh, part of... uh, Yeah. Jeff Flake. I mean, I think no. everyone sort of thought that guy might run. Yeah, but and I, I, I think he loses. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to see what happens with just general public support of Trump. And and if, right, if it's if it's Bernie or Biden or one of these people that could potentially beat him, you know, if it's not right. Klobuchar or Harris, then I don't know. It'd just be interesting to see how that plays out on your side. You could lose the White House but win back the House. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. That, I, I think we'll... We will have a harder time in the House than we will in the presidency. Yeah. Because I don't think the Mueller report is going to matter. But anyway. No, no. I mean, it's it was certainly not a smoking gun. But it was. it's filled with such random crazy. That guy's crazy. Correct. That guy is crazy. Donald Trump is a crazy person. He's, yeah, he's got a lot going on. Yeah. There's a lot going on in that head. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for listening to us today. We hope you had fun. Uh, day back after Easter. Keep up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at Dame at All. Thanks, friends. See you next week.